When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and we're here for this week's Friday Morning GM with co-host Vas Loricos. Vas, how are you doing? Doing great, Ken. Looking forward to the holiday. Looking forward to the big Monday night showdown between arguably the two best teams in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, everything's going very well. And we appreciate all the, uh, the the kind words that we've been receiving on this podcast, on Twitter, especially. Uh, really appreciate the positive feedback. Yeah, it's 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 great stuff. Uh, I've gotten additional through DMs you haven't seen, Voss, too. So I really appreciate the, the folks who are doing that. Also really appreciate all the folks who are um, sending in their listens for 2023 and those things. It's great to see those panels. People who have at least a hundred hours of, uh, of listens to the show. I'm just amazed at how many there are, but uh, thank you for being such loyal listeners. And thank you Voss for being such a great co-host and generating content for this show. That's uh, that's at a high level. Uh, we got a lot of things to talk about today. Unfortunately, in most cases, and I guess the first thing we probably ought to hit on, cause it's the, definitely the story of the week is, is the loss of Keaton Mitchell. Um, we covered some of the schematic elements of that with Slava in yesterday's show and one last thing. But um, uh, today I want to talk with Voss a little bit about how the Ravens address 2024 at running back. Yeah, I think that's a big question. I think you and I were both uh, relatively comfortable with entering 2024 with Mitchell as if not the, the lead back, at least the one B back. Um, and now you suffer a, a knee injury late in the season. Uh, availability starting next year is certainly in question, and it could potentially add another knee to the expanding list. Yeah, it it, it really is a shame because he was one of the players. He's one of the few positions where they re- had really addressed 2024 in a meaningful way. He's one of the young producers on the list. I do with Brian. You know, it's a, and and you know is is there for uh, three years yet as a Raven, but. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it does happen. It happens to running backs more than happens to other positions. Weird non-contact injury in this case, not like the Andrews thing was kind of a dirty hit. Um, mm-hmm. this was, was just the kind of thing that happens to running backs sometime. And unfortunately, based on what they haven't said about the knee injury, you know, they said some things about cartilage being clear and whatnot. I'm really concerned. 2024 is basically lost for the year. Yeah, time will tell. I mean, they have had some certain players make uh, remar- remarkably fast recoveries. I uh, believe uh, Adrian Peterson is a prime example of that. Uh, you know, we'll see. But I think now you do need to look for 
some some uh, contingency plans if he's not available. You are going to lose something this season, shave a little bit of ceiling off your team, but you don't want to. You want to try to find that, as you always mentioned, that speed back that allows Lamar to not be the only uh, speed threat uh, close to the line of scrimmage. So I think there's a couple of ways you could approach it. It's not a particularly strong running back class from uh, the, most of the you know Dane Brugler's pundits that uh, that I've tuned into so far. Uh, it is a very strong free agent class of running backs. In fact, PFF put out, I believe it was their top 200, at least 100 free agents, and neither Dobbins nor Gus made the list whatsoever at all, uh, and neither of them were, you know, with among maybe the top, at least among the top eight backs available. Uh, and now with the, uh, you know, market forces pushing that value down, maybe you can f- find a way to uh, upgrade or at least have a starting level back for a very modest price. Yeah. And, and maybe that guy just is Edwards again to, to come back and maybe now this opens the door and certainly Dobbins was one of the people who's really hurt by Mitchell's success. Frankly, it did not look like mm-hmm. there was a place for him on the team in 24, you know, things have changed <laughs> and there might be a place for him in 24. Right. Sure. Sure. I agree. So, you know, the, uh, the cost of, promoted Melvin Gordon and then Jake Funk is going to, has latched on with the practice squad. I'm not sure what kind of long-term value he has, but um, you know, another body at least that was drafted uh, potentially an upgrade over uh, Owen. Uh, what is it? Owen Wright. Yeah. Funk Funk is a third year player and a you know, seventh round draft pick of the, of the Rams a couple of years ago, but um, he, he's, he isn't a um, high He's in a high ceiling player. He'll be a, an RFA immediately next year. So uh, it, it's just right away, if they'll be competing for his services in some way. They, they won't want to tender him, so they'll have to just be able to match an offer, which they could do. Um, he's another another team sets the price. So even if he plays pretty well, I don't think he'll there's a there's a high probability he'd be back with the Ravens. It's just a matter of, you know, if he kind of likes it here and is you know, after going to Maryland that this is a nice place for him to play. But uh but I don't have a I don't have a real sense of that. And and I don't also um he's not the speed back the Ravens need. Right. And right. uh you know, th- that's the really the big thing. I think that every NFL team with the amazing success of both A-Chain and Mitchell are going to be looking to find value on the margin with undersized speed backs this year. So the, the secret is going to be out. You know, everybody mm-hmm. is going to know that, that okay, we can afford to give up pass blocking in these guys. And both guys can't pass block at all um, right. to, to, in order to, to get a speedy guy. Well, and you've sort of seen that same dynamic in the wide receiver uh, group as well over the last few years with uh, Tank Dell and Zay Flowers and Marquise Brown and some other diminutive players being drafted higher that maybe in the way the old NFL was officiated were not as effective, but they can be now. I think that does apply to running backs to some extent. There's always going to be a surplus of running backs. I'm not concerned that the Ravens aren't going to be able to find that guy, that stylistic fit uh, with the speed, but uh it, it's certainly not something, maybe something you want to address before undrafted free agency next year, considering the injury to Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, you know, they'll, they'll have a priority expenditure there and they'll probably have priority expenditures. They want to make other places, maybe in a developmental left tackle, although typically those guys get all drafted if they're the right size and shape to play the position. They, they, uh, uh, but the, but the running backs don't, I, I, I look back at my own notes. Somebody asked a very good question, by the way. Why A-Chain 
over um, Mitchell in this last draft. I look back at my notes, and there isn't a whole lot of difference between the two. I had them both identified as lousy pass blockers. I thought A-Chain danced too much in level two. Um, Mitchell, I was really concerned about context. Was that was the one thing that that I you know found in my own notes about it is that you know he really not played well in the games against Cincinnati, which were the big games that they played. Mm-hmm. So you know I try to find you know what right. did he what did he level really of competition play? yeah yeah I think that's probably you know H A coming from the SEC and also he had a lot of combine buzz and they thought he was going to run a four two and set the record. Um, and he got pushed up the board maybe for that reason. He had a lot more name recognition. You actually put mm-hmm. me on to Mitchell in the pre-draft process. I think we might have previewed the running backs or we did, did we? one of those okay. shows. I'm not sure if we did running backs, but you certainly mentioned him, and I did, and I was looking into him, and we thought probably a fifth-round pick would be appropriate for him and uh, worked out great that you could find him uh, and got what you did from him this year. Unfortunately, it's not going to uh, to extend into the postseason this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bummer. And and if you if you would go ahead and listen to the show with Slava, because uh, the one last thing show, because we go into Mitchell's historic season and just just how incredibly it's an outlier to every other running back season in the history of the National Football League with forty or more carries, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of supporting evidence from Devoa and whatnot that both A Chain and um, <laughs> both A Chain and Mitchell are so far above what any back has ever done. Um, in that range of carries, it's it's remarkable. So uh, if you would take take a listen to that, um, you know, obviously they're going to go into 2024 and they'll have to make some moves at running back. They have a lot that they have to deal with on this team. Does this does this impact the need at running back now? Impact the ability to keep a player like Matabike, who is one of the big budget nuts, because because there's there's now a lot of drag. You know, this drag on the offensive line. There's you know, particularly Zeitler now is a, is a big question as to should they retain him now because of he's had a he's had just a terrific season after a terrible start. Yes, uh, I think there is. I mean, it, it, you know, it's uh, when you have a franchise quarterback, you can't have necessarily a, a full complement of top end difference makers and also have your depth at the same time. As we'll see on Monday night, San Francisco has both, but they have, you know, a late round quarterback they're paying peanuts to. You have to make your choices. Um, you know, Zeitler is uh, 32nd overall on Spielberger's top 100. Matabike is sixth overall. Uh, those are the only two. The Where's next Queen? one's Clowney. Queen's 45th. Clowney's 40th. Queen's uh I'm sorry, Clowney's 40th, Queen's 45th, Geno is 52nd, OBJ is 69th. Those are all the Ravens that that made his list. Okay, and those are the top 200, not 100, right? I think it might be the 100 now that I look okay. at it because you probably would have had somebody in the hundreds if you went yeah. that far. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, got to pick and choose. PQ, I just – we've been over it several times. I, I don't think it makes sense. Um and I'm hoping he has a, a fantastic showing outing against San Fran on prime time because then you really maximize that comp- compensatory pick. Yeah, uh, there is. I, I we I don't know if we talked about it or if or if I talked about it somewhere else, but I think that there is some downward pressure from the lower cap number. Did we hit on this last week? Yes. The lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there is some pressure downwards on inside linebacker salaries, inside linebackers and running backs. Big class doesn't matter if if right. nobody can afford the extra money on the margin then those two positions are going to be the first two to suffer in terms of earnings. So it is possible Queen might make um, might push down towards 15 million or even slightly below per year. Um, I, you know, and for the Ravens, there's no way in hell 
the Ravens are going to pay him anything close to that. So uh, right. I, I don't I don't think it makes any sense at all. But I think this is the specific type of scheme as we saw against the Rams that could potentially give Patrick trouble. But maybe he's made some corrections and um, he will show out. But uh, let's move on to just uh, some other you know housekeeping. Travis Volkolek was poached from the pack, the squad. This is the time of year where teams that are eliminated from contention start looking towards their, you know, next season's roster. Ravens are obviously deep at tight end, even after the injury to Mark Andrews did not elevate him. And uh, it's unfortunate because I thought he could have been a player that could have eventually did something, but he would have had to bite his time because there's still got young guys ahead of him. Yeah, it would have been probably an injury situation that gave Oakley like his first chance here in Baltimore. And I, you know, he probably is a little frustrated at not getting elevated with the Andrews injury. The Ravens have, have basically said, okay, we can do it with Ricard and the and the and the primary two we have. That's enough. And he he left. I my understanding is he asked the Ravens before he left. You know, do you want to do you want to elevate me? I'd, I'd like to stay here. That's often the way it goes. But uh, but uh, they wouldn't do it for him and. Uh, and I understand it. I, I I don't like it, and it is is the worst time of year because bad teams are looking at the good teams' practice squads to see who can they get from them. Right, and he he was not activated once this year, to, to my recollection. Um, the other piece of roster um, housekeeping: two former Ravens uh, outside edge rushers both were released this week. Both would be available for very cheap. A couple hundred thousand, maybe Justin Houston and Jason Pierre Paul. Um, Ravens could always use an extra pass rusher in my mind. They're still carrying four quarterbacks on the 53, um, so you could potentially make room there. Uh, the question would be who you would activate or deactivate. Could would you sacrifice maybe Trenton Simpson on special teams or something of that nature? Uh, but any thoughts on, on a reacquisition of, of Houston or, or Pierre Paul? I think that the group that would really be helped by this, I think the Ravens pass rush would be as good or better with one of those two guys. And the group that would really be helped is the um, durability or the the stamina level of the defensive line. Because you can cut out probably 20 defensive line snaps per game and move them to kick inside guys who, you know, second and 10, third and 10, whatever, you're, you're third and medium even. You're, you're bringing on rush nickel every time, and you could even bring on race car if you wanted. Um, it's harder for this team to play race car because they really have to take Matabike off the field. So the most outside linebacks you get on at once is really three. Um, mm. But having a fourth guy would really help to do that, and having a guy who takes early snaps and can still give you some pass rush, which could be really either of JPP or Houston. Probably JPP might fit that a little bit more in terms of being a run defender, but either one really would be would be pretty good. Um, is uh, uh, you know is is someone who who would make a lot of sense for the Ravens, and it's the, the price is right. I mean, yeah. the, the scheme is right for both of those mm. guys. So I, I I like the idea. Sure, no commodity, and completely agree with you on reducing the snaps of the defensive line. And we're also giving the, the uh, downline a little bit more pass rush juice. Yep. Um. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now, one big topic, and we we have not really gotten into this before, is obviously the Ravens have got to consider their left tackle situation. The injury report is not official yet, and we're sitting here at 2 o'clock on on the uh, 22nd recording, sorry, the 21st recording of the show. So the first injury report of the week comes out Thursday afternoon instead of Wednesday afternoon because it's a Monday night game. So anyway, we did hear Ronnie Stanley return to the field despite that apparent concussion protocol. So whatever they saw in terms of symptoms wasn't enough or wasn't didn't classify it as a concussion, I assume. Uh, well, we don't know where he's at the, with the protocol. I'm, I'm not quite ready to say that. We'll, we'll know for sure when the Thursday official report is released, if he's either full or limited, because he could still be limited while he's in the protocol, as we saw in previous weeks. Great point. If he is at the point where he's still limited um, and able to do the non-contact team activities, which is usually what that practice means, that's stage four of the concussion protocol, means he's a lot closer than we would have expected him to be at this point during the week. So at least sure. from that perspective, it's it's uh, it's good. Uh, you mentioned Marcus Williams back at practice yesterday. Again, we don't really know exactly what Marcus Williams was doing at practice with that groin injury. Um, mm. And uh, others, uh, Zay Flowers apparently in a walking boot of some sort. It was reported that way. It may have been after the game that it was reported that way. Mm. But, uh, but he wasn't at practice, and neither was Beckham. Beckham, Beckham yeah. Beckham. Yeah, it's uh, that's I'm here. A lot of nicks and dings and bumps and bruises. Um, Morgan Moses is probably the most concerning out of the whole list for me, especially considering how many snaps Daniel Falele took uh, from him last week. The first week, I believe Falele had eight snaps in the right yep. tackle rotation. Last week, he was up to I want to say 34, 30, 36. Well. It's 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 thirty three scored snaps. I can tell you that. So there were okay. probably a couple of penalties in there too. But I, it was it's not just that. It's the fact that he was out there for Falele was out there for the entire fourth quarter. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. Moses played the very first play of the fourth quarter, and then and then Falele was out for the rest. Now the Ravens had a significant lead, and if you've got any kind of injury concern with your player, you'd you'd want to do that. But it does appear something is wrong with Moses in terms of his arm, um, and and he's got a couple things going on right now. It's not just that. Um, but but does not appear to have complete mobility of that arm, and that's that's obviously a problem. Um, just, there's no there is no in season solution other than hope for this. Um, and and I, you know it's interesting. Falele, as I scored it, had his best career game. He had a lot mm-hmm. of sack. He had a lot of sack, and he had his best career game in 33 snaps, which is just incredible. But scored .74. He has never had a 20 plus snap game that was not an F in his pro career. Mm-hmm. So this was his first ever as a C. So good. There we go. There we, the development is a linear. A lot of <laughs> focus on the run play certainly helps too. Yeah, with his, with his skill set. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you're going to need your receivers and your and your tackles and your and your you know ball hawking free safety with these next two teams coming up. You know, to, to keep pace. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think having Hamilton at the line of scrimmage is absolutely essential. So one thing I'm hoping for is that. This next week, Hamilton will be the line of scrimmage regardless. And if it means putting Worley on the back end, you put Worley on the back end. He's a pretty good tackler. 
Um, they, they really need, I think one of the reasons they were thinking they needed Hamilton on the back end, the more I think about it was they needed to have a, a legitimate last line of defense. So they could, they, you know, that no one was, they had a good tackler back there and stone has had problems. That's something he's not excelled at this year. Um, Williams has been good when healthy and he's been okay. Kind of even as he's been recovering recently. Um, but he's, but he's not. He's not where Williams should be normally, and and uh, yeah, they need him more to be the center fielder back there. Um, but I think I I would be perfectly happy with Worley and Stone manning the back end if Williams wasn't going because I I really want to see Hamilton back at at slot corner where I think he do a lot, the Ravens a lot more good in this game. Definitely against San Francisco with Kittle and McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco I know ranks very high in yards after the catch. And I would imagine Miami has to as well with the burners they have yep. at their team. So uh, tackling at the at the second level, third level will be very, very important if the Ravens do want to lock up that one seed. Yep. You do, you don't want to get you don't want to get stuck on any wide receiver screen blocks either. And that's something you can you can be sure that Hamilton is not going to happen to Hamilton. You just got to be you got to be a very good diagnostic and block shedding player out there at uh, at, at slot corner. All right, last big topic of the week that I wanted to hit on. And that is, is there another option for left tackle in 2024? Every game of additional evidence, and Stanley had his worst game in, in an awfully long time, um, but certainly his worst of the year um, this last week. And the question is, is if are the barriers too great to, to, to making a play for a left tackle prior to 2024, given everything else that needs to be solved on this team with all the free agent um, departure that, that's going to occur, and it, it, it takes a ton of draft capital to, to get a to get a to get a left tackle. Usually, a first round pick, often a high first round pick, to get a guy who has a really high probability of succeeding. But the one new piece of capital since we did the the, the show with Peterson um, mm-hmm. it is potentially tagging and trading and, and gulp down hard on this. Justin Matabike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's going to cost the company a ton of money. Uh, the the uh, Ravens a ton of money. They can't really afford it, even though they can't afford to let him go either. But if it, it would, it would lessen the blow a little bit. If instead of a third round compensatory pick, they got a first round pick for him. Right. We've seen them do that before, not necessarily with the tag, but uh, Orlando Brown Jr. And Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. Um, I think that the idea of a tag for Matabike has some merit to it. First of all, the tag would be pretty close to his APY. So if you're comparing a one-year tag at $20 million versus a four-year deal with three years guaranteed at $20 million, it's more cost-effective for the team to just do the one-year tag. We saw that done with Matthew Judon, and he tagged him. He played on the tag one year, and then he left, and then he brought back the third-round comp. Um I think I would be – I think I would very seriously consider, though, I still think – the price is too rich, and we've said it so many times on this series that we've done, Ken. Once you pay your franchise quarterback, every decision has to be under a microscope, and I don't want to pay for anybody. I don't want to pay for Ronnie Stanley more than his APY is because it's hard to react to uh, find the solution. I don't want to pay more than Matt Abike because you're short on the D-line. You know, you, you're not supposed to draft for need. I don't think you should make your free agent decision, especially long-term deals, based on need either. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't have a problem building building around the right cornerstones, and a, a lot of teams 
They're really limited in terms of what cornerstones they have an option to build around. The Ravens are not limited in that way, not the same as other teams. You know, they have their quarterback, first of all, in-house, and they have a, a lot of other good choices of where to spend that money. They could spend it on OA. You know, they're going to have to spend a, a whole bunch of money on Hamilton. Uh, Stevens. Up. Stevens. Bateman. Yeah. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe a guy who – and Bateman won't be the same kind of dollars as those other guys, but but he could be a lot of money. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna have to make some decisions as, as, as how they play that. And, I, you know, if, the, if all of – if 100% of the money on the margin is already spent, you're, you're in a lot of trouble when, that, when the day comes and you, can, you really can't make a move you should make. You, you, you make a bad business decision because you made another business decision that was, seemed okay at the time. Yeah. yeah, and we and they're not they haven't been immune to that. You know, we've we've seen some missteps over the years, and nobody's bets a thousand. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm personally to, uh, to the point where I'm ready to move on from Ronnie. He just seems like he's not dependable, and his play just keeps deteriorating further and further. And it's not a it's not a windfall savings, but it's it's if if McCarry is playing at an equal level to him, why are you paying him so much? Can you reallocate that? Can you reallocate that to Zeitler, and then your right side of your offensive line is elite, and then maybe that helps you slide protection and mitigate a weakness on the left side. There, there's a there's a couple different scenarios that I think they need to work through here. But to your initial question, I, I think tagging and trading Metabike would be certainly preferable to paying him a hundred million dollar contract or getting the third-round pick. That would probably be uh, the best, in my view, at this point in the season. If he does keep up this historic pace at some point, maybe you say, you know what, he is a cornerstone player for us. He has proven he is, and he is worth that $100 million contract. Um, I'm still not quite there, but getting closer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, one, of the, one of the questions I know we both have is, is he more of a system player and a scheme player than that. And the big thing that comes up is just does this relationship between his total pressures and his finishes really make sense? Would that be replicatable on another team? And I think there's legitimate reason to believe it would not be. And that doesn't mean he can't be a very solid seven to eight sack player uh, for somebody else. Or if, yeah, for somebody else, I guess what I'm saying. And a 10 sack guy for the Ravens if they come back and they bring back some of the the initial pressure guys like Van Noy and Clowney. Um, or even Pierce, who are who are creating a lot of this, but we're talking about all these players, and and all of them cost money. <laughs> Annoy, Clowney, Pierce, you know, they're, they're every one of them is 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 basically appropriately got their hand out, you know, asking what are they going to make in in, in two thousand twenty four. It's going to this is just a there's there's not going to be a an off season we can remember in a very long time, and I'm talking like two thousand one to two. Yeah, is the is the is the last one that was uh, you know nearly as as uh, disruptive to the to the team. I I completely agree. The Ravens, I can't remember a time when they had uh, this few this low level of continuity projected onto the next season as they had right now. And frankly, I think they needed to make that change and become a little bit more aggressive from the. Go take a little, you know, ten percent away from the contend every season, and put that ten percent towards uh, win now. Um, I think they did that, and I think that's why they're in first place in the AFC to some extent. But there, there is a cost to that. There's a cost. There's a cost to everything. Ten percent is just about right. That's about Odell Beckham's salary right there. 
yeah. you know, if uh, when you when you add in a couple others as well, maybe Clowney and some others. But uh, but you're you're it's just about the number. And unfortunately, they're not really setting themselves up with what they have to to make mortgage payments to draw down that deficit you know, uh, or that debt, um, you know, over the next few years, it's, uh, you know, they'd like to inflate their way out of it with a growing cap. Uh, the initial thing I've heard is, you know, it, that the cap's not going to grow by as much as people have thought. So right. that's concerning. Well, and then in order to tag Matabike and to re- remain compliant under the tag, they would have to do some right. restructures just to get there. Yeah. And they could do that. They, they've got players like Humphrey and others that they can they can continue to do. Yeah, thank God Humphrey's playing well again now because yeah. now you can still um, kick the can down the road with him if you want to. And they, they haven't maxed out the void years or anything. I'm not saying that, but that's more debt. That's more dollars on the credit card, more dollars on the mortgage um, that they then have to deal with at a later time. And uh, I don't want to deal with that all at once at the end of five years and not have any money to sign Lamar Jackson, for example, or extend right. Lamar Jackson. It probably won't come to that, but it would be a lot of other players that would have to go in order to fund it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's a precarious position. It really is. Um, the biggest takeaway for me is let's make the deepest run we can this season because tomorrow is a promise. Yep. Very, very true. Voss, always a pleasure doing this show with you. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work online and talk football with you. Sure. I'm at Vasilis Beatdown on Twitter, X-V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown, co-managing editor and author for Baltimore Beatdown blog, part of SB Nation. And I have a live a podcast we live stream every Thursday night around 7 o'clock at Raven's Way Pod with uh, with Yuri. Uh, we have, try to have some fun previewing and looking back. And uh, Yeah. Uh, Ken, appreciate your time as also. Wish you happy holidays. Oh, uh, to, to you and yours as well, uh, Voss. Uh, and other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter, as always. Uh, Voss mentioned all the nice things you've been saying about us. If if we would ask for one thing, it's to make a review of this show, if you like, and and uh, just a 50-word review, if you don't mind taking the time on your favorite podcast app. Helps drive traffic to it, make people aware that this exists, and there are still a lot of people that don't. Other thing you could do, Find that older person, maybe around the holidays like this, who's a Ravens fan. Show them how to listen to the thing directly from their laptop or, or, or directly from their desktop um, if they're not a podcast person. So just go out to filmstudybaltimore.com. And I always suggest people do that because I think it's a it's an easy way. For Vasilikos, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye. And we'll talk to you next week on Friday Morning GM. 